How are you feeling today, United Church? Are we feeling good? Come on. Oh, man, let me ask you like you, got, like you didn't lose an hour of sleep last night. Come on, how are we feeling today, United Church? Are we feeling good? Come on. Amazing day. Amazing day to be in the house. And uh, I, I just got to say this is, um, man, I found out at 11 a.m. yesterday morning um, that I was going to be preaching today. And uh, listen, I know that for some of you that may sound like an excuse. It's not an excuse. At, that's permission, baby. Come on, somebody. I've got permission for some freedom today. And uh, I'm really excited about what I'm going to bring to you today because I shared this um, with our, what we call staff chapel. So on the first Tuesday of every single month, we have what's called staff chapel, um, which falls right before first Wednesday. Again, if you've never come to First Wednesday, you should take me up on that offer. It's one of the best things that we do here at United Church. We, we come together on, at 7 p.m. at our Milford campus every first Wednesday of the month, of each month, and, and we worship together and we take communion together and, and we, we, like, we just go into the presence of God. How many of y'all appreciate our team taking us there today? Was that not amazing? That was absolutely special. That's I, I just, one of my favorite moments in worship ever here at our church. But, but First Wednesday, so Staff Chapel, I was sharing this. I'm like, I, I got so far off of what I was talking about that I forgot where I was going. But I, I shared this at, at Staff Chapel, which is all of our, our team here at United, our residents and, and, uh, and our apprentices through United University, which is like my favorite thing of, of United Church. And, and uh, man, I, I got the opportunity to share this and it was so impactful. And so when I got this phone call and me and Pastor Chris were talking yesterday, and uh, by the way, he sends his greetings, not just through video, but through me. And uh, he's super bummed. Like we talked several times trying to figure out how to get him here. Um, but how, how many my, my house felt like it was gonna blow down yesterday. Like literally, I thought it was like, I didn't know what was happening, but it was like huffing and puffing. And it was like all kinds of, the, the house was about to go, but, but I was so bummed he wanted to be here. But I'm, I'm excited today to share this with you. And uh, I believe this is one of those messages um, that you're going to want to take notes on. And maybe you're not a, a typical note taker. Uh, maybe that's not, but I, I truly believe this, that note takers are world changers. And I believe that note takers, they get a bigger house when they get to heaven. Like I truly believe that. And uh, there's nothing in the Bible that says that, but that's just what I believe. And so I'm going to throw that out there today, but uh, encourage you to take some notes because I, I believe this could be helpful. But I want to ask a question, pose a question. How many of you have ever been like, dog tired. There's no other way to say it. Just exhausted in your life. Just by show of hands. Yeah, yeah, yeah. You've been there before. We, we've all had this moment in our life where we, we are dog tired. And I can reflect on several moments in my life and where I've, I've felt this before. I'm talking about the kind of tired, go with me for a second, that when you're watching TV, like you wake up and like three different like episodes of the same season are on that you were watching as you were, yeah, yeah. You know, like, it's it, are you still watching is on the screen, right? They're, they're asking you that question, right? And you're like, dude, don't judge me. I'm, yes, I'm still watching right now. I just haven't touched the remote, right? But you've had these moments where you are just so tired. So some of you have experienced, um, th there's, a, there's a different kind of level of tired that I've experienced before. I call it Ignite Camp Tired. And, and this is what our, our students go to, middle school and high school students go to every single summer. And, and it's the type of tired that when you go back home the next day, like after camp is over, you sleep from like 2 p.m. until like 10 a.m. the next morning. And you feel like the presence of God, like none other, just, just like in the bed, like you feel surrounded by God. It is so amazing. But whether you've been to Ignite Camp, you've experienced this kind of tired before. You've pulled all-nighters. You, you wrote that paper that you had three months to write. You stayed up all night to write that, right? You, you've, you've done this before. You've, you've had the, how many of you know, the newborn tired? Like you, you have the, the fresh baby at home tired where you feel like you're like a zombie just walking through life tired, which by the way, uh, Pastor Mark uh, and Alicia just had their first child. That's amazing news. Yeah. I would, uh, 
I would show you a picture, um, but uh, I'm going to let him show you the picture of Micaiah. But he is the, he is the second cutest kid who has ever uh, been born next to my child. And uh, because you have to say that. If I didn't say that, that would be, there would be something wrong with that. But he's, he's an amazing child. But you've been there before. You've been so exhausted. And it's funny to me um, because I have like conversations with pe- people. I call them um, lobby conversations. And uh, lobby conversations are my favorite. And um, they, they, they say things like this. Like, Pastor Kenneth, like, you must be so tired. And I'm like, like, first of all, don't ever say that to somebody because that means they look terrible. Come on, y'all know that's like code for you look terrible. Like, you must be exhausted. Like, uh, husbands, let me give you a, a tip. Like, don't ever go to your wife and tell her that she looks tired. Amen, ladies. Can I just get a, yeah. Like, because that's code for like, 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 oh my gosh, is my makeup bad? Like, what's going on? I'm not sure what's going on. Like, you just, you don't throw, yeah. Yeah, we've, we've been there and, 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 and people say these things to me. They're like, oh, like with your rhythm, how do you do this? Like, how do you do all of this? And they make these hand motions, like all, all of, how do you, how do you even fit in anything that you, and I feel like they're projecting on me, like the rhythms of their life that are unsustainable. And they, they feel like my rhythms of life, they must be unsustainable. There's no way that you could possibly do this. And today, what I want to share with you, I want to, I want to share with you a message. If you're taking notes, which I, I politely ask you to do, is uh, the message is titled Secrets of Sustainability. And the reason I want to share these secrets is, is because, yeah, there's a lot going on. And, and, and we, we have a, a full schedule. If you've been around United Church any length of time, we don't use the word busy because we're all busy. Like we have full schedules. But, but there's some things that I've learned. There's some secrets of sustainability that me and I feel like Sherry have learned in our time and in life and our time in leadership. I don't pretend to have the corner on the market. This is just things that I've learned along the way. And I have to share secrets when I have them because I don't know if you're like me, but I am the worst secret keeper in, on planet earth. Like literally, I, I got Sherry a, a new coffee mug the other day and it's like this bougie ceramic coffee mug so you don't taste the metal when you're drinking out of the, the coffee mugs. And, and I didn't even wait for it to come in. I'm like, Sherry, I gotta tell you. Sherry, I, gotta t- I got you this coffee mug. And she's like, you couldn't wait for it to come in. I'm like, no, baby, you know how this goes. I have to tell you everything. Secrets of sustainability. So if you got your Bible, turn with me to the book of Hebrews. We're going to be in the book of Hebrews, which by the way, is just proof that God loves coffee. Come on, somebody. He named a book of the Bible Hebrews. And um, that's the dumbest joke I've ever told in my life. And uh, I've promised myself I wouldn't say it again, but I said it again. I, I just keep doing, you know what Paul talks about? Like you do the thing that you don't want to do. And that's just what happened right there. Hebrews chapter 12, the author of Hebrews um, gives us what I believe to be some of the secrets of sustainability. If it was just in one passage, that would be one thing. But then we, I want to show you something that Paul wrote in, in, uh, in one of his letters as well. But in Hebrews chapter 12, I want to show you this. It starts out, it says, Therefore, since we are surrounded by so great a cloud of witnesses... I want to kind of walk through this progressively because I want to explain this and, and kind of walk through the passage as I, I read it. I want you to understand, maybe you don't know this um, because maybe you're new to United Church or maybe you, you haven't been coming for very long. And, but what I want to encourage you with is this, is that you are surrounded by a great cloud of witnesses. 
Like, what, what does that mean, Pastor Ken? What I mean by this is one of the most favorite things about United Church is the authenticity that you feel when you begin to talk to other people around United Church. And here's what I believe. I believe that real recognizes real. Don't you believe that to be true? That, that there's a culture that begins to be set of people that like, man, that person's real. That person seems authentic. That person is genuine. I think it's important for me to remind you. I've told myself, I've told you before, I'm the CRO of United Church, the chief reminding officer. And so it's my job to remind you that you are surrounded by so great a cloud of witnesses. And the author continues, says, let us also lay aside every weight let us lay aside every weight and sin which clings so closely and let us run with endurance the race that is set before us. The author continues, let us lay aside every weight. If we're going to, to, to be uh, sustainable, if we're gonna have a healthy rhythm, we, we have to lay aside every weight so that we can run with endurance the race that is set before us. I love this verse too. Looking to Jesus, the founder of, and perfecter of our faith. How many of you know that with Jesus, life just makes sense? That Jesus is the foundation of everything that we build on, that, that we're looking to Jesus, that, that it, is not, it is not our works that have got us into the kingdom. Can I get an amen on that? It is what Jesus did through the way of the cross that got us into the kingdom. He is the one who paid a price that you and I could never pay. Y'all believe that? Okay, I know, I know it's daylight savings time. I know we're waking up. We're still like wakey, wakey. Get some more coffee, coffee. You know what I'm saying? We need to do that. But looking to Jesus, the founder and perfecter of our faith, who for the joy that was set before him endured the cross, despising the shame, and is seated at the right hand of the throne of God. We, we, we not only see this in Hebrews, this idea of sustainability and this idea of, of, of how do we, how do we um, keep those secrets, find those secrets, but we see this in Paul's writing in 1 Corinthians chapter 9, verse 24. It says, do you not know that in a race, all the runners run, but only one receives the prize? He says, so that you may obtain it. So every athlete exercises self-control in all things. They do it to receive a perishable wreath, but we an imperishable. I love verse 26, the first part of this says, so I do not run aimlessly. Listen, I, I, hate, I hate running. Let me just be honest with you. And if, if I'm going to run, you must give me a target in which to run to. Because the last thing I want to do is run aimlessly. I don't want to waste any time if it's like a one mile run or a 5k. Like I want to know every corner. I want to know every detail because I'm going to run it as tight to the post. Come on somebody as I possibly can to finish it. And to run. I'm going to, I'm going to run, but I'm not going to run aimlessly. I do not run aimlessly. I do not box as one beating the air. Check it out how it finishes, but I discipline my body and keep it under control. And then after this comma is the most terrifying uh, piece of a scripture of any in Bible for me is that lest after preaching to others, I myself should be disqualified. The, the last thing that we want to do is talk about these things, not live up to them and, and, and disqualify ourselves. And so how do we, what, what are the secrets? And so today what I wanna do is I wanna give you some of these secrets and, and I'm not gonna tell you how many they are because you're gonna be counting them down and thinking of like, okay, when is it time for Mission Barbecue? Pastor Kenneth, would you finish up? Because I'm, I'm starting to think about barbecue and I'm starting to think about um, brisket and these things are coming to my mind. Some of you are getting very hungry right now, but I'm not gonna tell you how many they are. But what I do wanna tell you is they move from very practical to very spiritual. 
These are very practical pieces of advice that I wanna give you on the front end. And then we're gonna move deeply into the spiritual. But what you're gonna notice by the end of today is that every single one of them are extremely spiritual. The first, the first secret, if you're taking notes, you're taking notes, you're taking notes. The first one is this, sleep. Praise God, sleep. Ben Bergeron, he's the uh, owner of, of CrossFit New England. He's, he's an incredible, uh, incredible, like he has an incredible brain and, and he's an author and writes, but he talks about this, the, the five factors of health. I did like this, that's 10 factors of health. The five factors of health. Five factors of health is nutrition, exercise, mindset, relationships, and he says the last one is sleep. Those are the five things, the controllables that you and I control in our life, nutrition, exercise, mindset, relationships, and sleep. And you may remember me saying this in Out of the Cave, but, but sleep deprivation is actually a torture technique in war times. And when you and I aren't sleeping well, it leads to things like anxiety. It leads to things like unclear thoughts. It leads to things like paranoia. It leads to things like depression. These are things that can really happen. And so you better believe when I say this, you better believe that sleep really does matter. I heard somebody say this one time and uh, I've, I've hung on to it in my life, is how you end one day directly affects how you start the next. How you end one day directly affects how you start the next. And the reason you're like, what, what does this have to do with my spiritual life, Pastor? The reason that, that I, this has so much to do with our spiritual life is because I've, I've talked to many of you and I know that for many of you, like the priority in your life is to know Jesus like at a greater level. Like every single day, like that's, I believe that for many of you, that's your heart's desires. Like, Pastor, I want to know God. I want to know him well. I want to, I want to have an intimate relationship with God. I want to know what his heart is all about. And, and I trust that and I believe that. And for many of you, I believe that is true. But for some of us, here's what happens is many of us, we don't sleep well. So in the mornings, we can't wake up well in order to spend time with Jesus. So it's not that you don't love Jesus, it's that you're not sleeping. But, but here's what happens is when you're not sleeping and when you don't wake up in enough time to spend some time with Jesus, come on, before the kids get up, before the, the, the demons start running around the house, come on in Jesus' name, right? Don't look at me like that. Before, before everything, but you, but you don't sleep well and you don't wake up early enough and so you don't get time with Jesus. And so as the day goes on, your, your thoughts get clouded and as your thoughts get clouded, you start like jumping to all kinds of conclusions about your life. And it's not that you don't love Jesus, it's that you didn't sleep well. And so for many of us, we, 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 we struggle with sleep, but we, we get on our phone before we go to bed and the blue light and, and or watching Netflix and the dopamine drip or we're playing video games and our, 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 our whatever, adrenaline is up and we're, we're doing all these things that like, uh, by the way, I don't play video games. I play them with my son. Let me just make a confession there. Like I'm not a gamer anyways. I felt like I should say that in that point, but I think that we, we don't help ourselves when we're not sleeping. We need to do some practical things to kind of unplug and to be able to sleep. Is this making sense to anybody today? I, I feel like this is, I feel like this is helpful. I was, I was reading and researching and the CEO of Netflix said this one time when Amazon Prime was coming out with a streaming service and they, they, they talked to the, the CEO of Netflix and they said, hey, does it, does it worry you that Amazon Prime is coming out with this streaming service? He said, listen, other streaming services aren't our competition. He said, our only competition is sleep. That was staggering for me. That they're coming after. So is it possible 
that the enemy is coming after you and he doesn't have to do anything crazy. He's just depriving you of sleep. But that's too simple, Pastor Kenneth. That's too simple. No, no, I I believe it can be that simple. That that we're missing out on God's best because we're not resting well. David, uh, King David, not Pastor David, shout out to Pastor David and Milford, I love him. But but King David, he had a lot going on. I think we could all agree with that. But in, in the book of Psalms, he says this in Psalm 3, verse 5 and 6. He says, I lay down and slept. I woke again for the Lord sustain me. He says, I will not be afraid of many thousands of people who have set themselves against me all around. David knew how important it was to sleep. The second one is the word sweat. Now, let me just make a confession to you is I had to do some, um, some verbal gymnastics in order to make these all S words because that bothers me if they're not all the same. Come on. So, so sweat is just a, another word for exercise. You're like, Pastor Ken, you're, you're like moving away from the spiritual. I'm not sure how this has to do anything with anything. Like this is how, how in the world are you going to connect this? And, and the reason I was thinking this is so important for our church to understand is this. It's because there's many times that, that you can be pressed to your limits And if you aren't exercising, if you don't know what it's like to exert yourself, you're going to be like, man, this is the hardest thing that I've ever, I've ever been, or I've not ever been through, that I've been through this week. But one of the favorite things about me when I'm able to get into the gym, actually, let me just be honest. One of the reasons I throw around weights is so I don't throw around people. Come on, somebody in Jesus name. I'm like, let me snatch this so I'm not snatching somebody, right? I'm just going to, just going to have some fun over here. That's just confession time with Pastor Kenneth. I told you I got more freedom today. But the, the reason that is so important It's because I can think back to multiple times, like when I'm going through tough stuff in the office, I can think back to multiple times when I'm in the gym that whatever I'm going through in the office, like I've already been two or three times that week going through tougher things in the gym. I'm like, this is not that difficult compared to how I almost killed myself the other day for 20 minutes. This is crazy. And so we right-size our thoughts literally by sweating. Let me show you how it's spiritual. Some of y'all have heard the Proverbs 31 woman. Come on. I got me a Proverbs 31 woman. Hey, hey, yeah, come on, Mike. I know you, I see you, yeah. Proverbs 31, she dresses herself with strength and makes her arms strong. This ain't First Opinions chapter three, y'all. This is Solomon, the the wisest man. He he says that she dresses herself with strength and makes her arms strong. How do you make your arms strong? You sweat, you get some curls in, you get some exercise in, you start to, nobody. Okay, cool, awesome. Third thing is this, is space. I'm about to get up in your business right now. Space, space. The, the other word for space that you could use that's not an S word is the word margin. The space between ourselves and our limits. The space between ourselves and our limits. Um, I, I want to talk to just like the partners of United Church, people that serve week in and week out, which by the way, you guys... You are my favorite. Come on, can we just give it up for the people that serve every single week? I think it's awesome. One of the things I've, I've noticed, though, is, is, um, is if we're not careful, I want to show you how these are all domino and they all go together. Because if we're not sleeping, if we're not sweating and we're not creating enough space, we can end up attributing our stress to the wrong thing. So the people that, that serve, like, you know, your alarm goes off at some ungodly time, like 4 a.m. in order to be here to, to load in in Dover, to be able to, to be at our Milford campus. And, and, and the alarm goes off and, and you're frustrated. You're like, man, if I wasn't a partner at United Church, if they had a building, <laughs> wouldn't be doing this. 
And you find so much joy in what you're doing, but when that alarm goes off, especially this weekend, come on, this is a good weekend for this message I'm talking about, but, but you, the, your alarm goes off and you're like, ah, if it, if, if it wasn't for that, it But here's how it all connects is because if you were sleeping well and you were sweating and you had enough space in your life that when that alarm gets off, you would, your feet would hit the floor, the devil would go, oh crap. Come on, I'm gonna be that type of person. Nobody. I want to be that type of person that when, the, when my feet hit the floor, the devil's like, oh, no, he's awake. Like, I got, I got, to, I got to wreck in this thing. Like, I've got, but here, if we, if we don't have enough space in our life, what, what once was a blessing will be looking like a burden if we're not careful. And the same thing is true, like with your career. Some of you have switched jobs five times in the last year, and you're like, this job's terrible, that job's terrible, this job's terrible, that job's terrible. Can I tell you, if five out of five is not working for you, can I tell you, it's probably not the employer, it's probably the employee. The only thing that is common is you. Let me just put this into relationships real quick, because it was so fun at first experience. If the last five girls you dated are crazy, it's probably not the last five girls you dated. <laughs> it's probably you. But ladies, don't get upset. Don't get, like, listen, if the last five girls you've dated, it's probably not. Yeah, anyways, you get the point. Like, we, we just, we have to lift the mirror up sometimes and realize, is it us or what's going on in life? Marge, it's so important. Check this out. I love what, what Paul said in 1 Thessalonians. He says, yet we urge you, brothers and sisters, to make it your ambition to lead a quiet life. This is so interesting to me. The word ambition is usually like the word for hustle, the, the word for go, the word for pedal to the metal, the word for all gas, no break, ambition. And no, there's nothing wrong with godly ambition, but I love how Paul says it. He says, he says I urge you brothers and sisters to make it your ambition to lead a quiet life. John Mark Comer says it like this. He says, we achieve inner peace when our schedules are aligned with our values. And so I would ask you the question today is, does your schedule align with your values? And maybe it doesn't. Maybe it's something that, that you need to wrestle through today. And it may mean there's this two-letter word that makes a huge impact in people's lives when it comes, when they're really stressed out. I want to I help you with this word. It's the word no. Like sometimes you have to say no to hanging out with people. Sometimes you have to say no to a good opportunity so you can say yes to a God opportunity. Sometimes you just have to say no. So for some of you, it may mean that your kid can't play travel ball, school ball, and little league all at the same time. Like, but I'm stressed out, Pastor Kenneth. Well, they're playing 17 different sports. Of course you're stressed out. Well, Monday's this, Tuesday's that, Wednesday's this, Thursday's that, Friday's that. We're in all separate directions. Why, why, I don't understand why I'm stressed. I can, understand, I can tell you why you're stressed because you never see your wife. You never see your husband. You need to figure out, am I preaching anybody today? You need to figure out the, the space, the margin that you need in your life in order to make it more sustainable. I will get out of your business now. Check out the next one. Seasons, seasons. I tell this to our team all the time. I've told them more times than I can count. And I've, I've realized this is that when you get tired of saying it, people are just now hearing it. But I've told them all the time is that you have to monitor the story you are telling yourself. You have to monitor the story that you are telling yourself. 
Like, is it up? Is it down? There's going to be seasons. There's going to be ebb. There's going to be flow. There's going to be, there's going to be seasons where it's heavy. There's going to be seasons where it's light. But check this out. If you're not sleeping, if you're not sweating, if you're not creating space in your calendar, can I tell you, every season will feel as heavy as the season before. So all of these things begin to build, they, they begin to become intertwined. And when you, you start doing what's called stress stacking, Stre- this is so practical, I don't even know what to do with myself today. You, you begin stress stacking. And so from one to three, your, um, let, let's just say your dog is from one to three. Come on, it's, there's a 10 so that the, your dog is stressing you out. Let's say from four to five, your kid is stressing you out. Let's say from six to eight, your, 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 uh, your spouse is checking, you, is, is checking you out. Yeah, come on, somebody always is, <laughs> that was a fraud. And slip, like, hey girl, I see you down there. Like, hey baby, yeah. six to eight, your spouse is stressing. That was actually my wife, Milford. If you're wondering, I blew a kiss at her, anyways. But, but if you're bringing it, stress stacking. But what happens is your dog, your, your, your job, your career, everything is starting to, to stack up, and then you're driving down Route One, and somebody cuts you off, and you're like, I told you not to come here. And you start riding their bumper like, you're like getting up on like, yeah, I'm going to show them. I'm going to show them. I'm going to show. And it had, you told them they're number one, all this kind of crazy stuff. Like you, you got up on their bumper and it had nothing to do with them. But you were stress stacking. And this is my great place to insert that you should begin to see a therapist. <laughs> where you can go eight, seven, five, six, five. It is possible. Check it out, church. It is possible to live life and not be stressed out every moment of every day. If you're an Enneagram six, you don't believe me. You're like, oh no, something bad's gonna happen. That bad thing's gonna happen to the bad thing. I'm just not sure what's gonna happen. It is possible. It is actually possible. You have to monitor the story that you were telling yourself. Hopefully this is helping some people today. The next one is serving. Secrets of sustainability. Serving. 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 this seems counterintuitive uh, for people that seem stressed out because you're like, well, I don't, how, how do I, how does it, how does it make sense to, to add something if I'm already stressed out? How does it make sense to add more if I need less? There's actually a pretty cool promise that Solomon tells in Proverbs chapter 11. He says this, he says, the generous will prosper. The first part, he's saying, hey, those who give will actually receive. It's crazy how this supernatural transaction happens. The generous will prosper. But then he says this, he says, those who refresh others will themselves be refreshed. There's this promise as we serve other people, as the, our heart is to serve other people that God will begin to refresh. As we, our heart is to refresh others, as you are parking cars, as you are changing a child, as you are teaching them Jesus on their level, as you are seating people in the auditorium, as you are refreshing others and you're greeting them with a smile, there is a promise from God that he will refresh your so he, he will do something. There will be a supernatural transaction that happens in your life that you will not be able to describe or define. But it's so often that when people get stressed, they remove the very thing that God promises is going to bring them life instead of removing things that are actually going to give them more peace. And so I encourage you in seasons of of stress and season of, of go and seasons of you got to get after it. Don't remove the thing that God promises will bring you refreshing. So the first five that I just shared with you are very practical. I want to share with you a couple more, a few more that I'm telling you that these are going to be deeply spiritual. And for those of you who are judging me right now for not being spiritual enough, these will be more spiritual so that you can check all the boxes. Here we go. Sabbath. It's a spiritual word. The word Sabbath literally means this, to stop. It's the Hebrew word Shabbat, which means to stop. 
It's a day where we stop worrying. It's a day where we stop fretting. It's a day where we stop working. Exodus chapter 20, verse 8 says, remember the Sabbath to keep it holy. Six days you shall labor and do all your work, but the seventh day is a Sabbath to the Lord your God. On it you shall not do any work, you or your son or your daughter or your male servant, your female servant or your livestock or the sojourner who is within your gates. For in six days the Lord God made heaven and earth, the sea, and all that is in them, and he rested on the seventh day. Therefore the Lord blessed the Sabbath day and made it holy. There's something so extremely powerful about the Sabbath. And if, if I could share with you one secret that I believe is how me and Sherry have figured this thing out, the rhythm of how to do life. And again, I'm, 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 on, I'm 35 and so I'm on the backside of life. Come on, somebody. I'm just figuring this thing out. <laughs> See, some of y'all got that. It's funny. Figuring this thing out. But this is one of the things that I feel like has really helped us in our life is to keep a Sabbath. Walter Brueggemann said like this, he said, people who keep Sabbath live all seven days differently. There's just something that flows. There's something that comes out that when you're able to observe and to keep the Sabbath, it's, it's something very special that happens when you are stepping into that. It's, 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 it's a supernatural rhythm that begins to happen. I read this book and I want to share with you a, a couple things from this book, but it's, it's, an, it's an incredible book by a guy named John Mark Homer. It's called The Ruthless Elimination of Hurry. Uh, I don't really recommend a ton of books, but this one really was impactful for me and I believe it to be impactful for you. But this is what he says about Sabbath. I thought it was interesting. He said, Sabbath is coming for you, whether as delight or discipline. He says, maybe that's why God eventually has to command the Sabbath. He says, does it strike you as odd? Check it out. It's like commanding ice cream or live music or beach days. You would think that we would all be chomping at the bit to practice the Sabbath, but apparently there's something about the human condition that makes us want to hurry our way through life as fast as we possibly can, to rebel against the limitations of time itself. He says, due to our immaturity, dysfunction, and addiction, God has to command his people to do something deeply life-giving, to rest. Isn't it amazing that like all of us, we're like, like we, we, we kick against the goads of scriptural saying, we, we fight against this. We're like, no, no, I'm not gonna Sabbath. And God's like, no, no, I'm inviting you to rest. I'm inviting you to ice cream. I'm inviting you to live music. I'm inviting you insert whatever makes you have a happy place to be. I'm inviting you into that. And we're like, no, I don't want it, God. I don't want it, God. And God's like, no, I'm commanding it for you because I need you to understand how important it's going to be for your life to be sustainable. I can tell I'm all up in your business today. Jesus said this. He said, the Sabbath was made for man, not man for the Sabbath. We're like, God, why, why do you make me do this? And God's like, Jesus, like, I didn't, I'm not making you do this. I'm in, I actually created this for you to enjoy that the rest of your life would flow out of Sabbath. Check out the next one. The next one is solitude. Solitude. Luke chapter five, verse 16, I'm gonna buzz through the last, these last ones. It says, but Jesus often withdrew to the wilderness for prayer. Pick a place, think about a space where you can be with God. There's a guy named Henry Nowen. He said it like this. He said, solitude is not a private therapeutic place. Rather, solitude is the furnace of transformation. That blew my mind. It's not a place of just therapeutic uh, not a therapeutic place, rather solitude is the furnace of transformation. 
The reason that we find it so hard to hear from God is because we never silence the noise. We, we are an AirPod generation. Come on, how, does it drive you crazy when you walk into a restaurant and the server is wearing AirPods while they're talking to you or the, the hostess? I'm like, am I important? Do I pay your paycheck? Is that my the only one? Like they, they, they show, like they're, they're like employees that like are interacting with you, got air, I'm like, hey, hey, over here. And I wonder how many times God's like, hey, take your AirPods out for a second. I just want to say something to you. I just want to whisper to your spirit. I just want you to get into the quiet place of solitude where I can take you into the furnace of transformation. I don't know about y'all, but I want to be transformed by the very presence of God. I want God to transform me, whatever it takes. And so if that means solitude, if that just means getting away, if that means going into my closet and shutting the door, going to my office and shutting the door and just saying, God, what is it that you want to speak to me? That's what I want. He says this. He says, without solitude, we remain victims of our society and continue to be entangled in the illusions of the false self. Isn't it wild how um, when you read the accounts of Jesus that it seemed like that the busier and the more demanding Jesus' life got, the more that he got away to his place of solitude to pray and to be with the Father. I find it very interesting if, if the very Son of God needed solitude, can I tell you that you and I probably need it as well? We need the solitude in our life. Scripture. I read this a couple weeks ago, but I want to read this again. Psalm 119, 103, 105 says, How sweet are your words to my taste, sweeter than honey to my mouth. Through your precepts, or through your teachings, I get understanding. Therefore, I hate every false way. I love verse 105. Your word is a lamp to my feet and a light to my path. I don't want to stay here long because we talk about the word of God all the time, but I cannot overemphasize. It would be impossible for me to overemphasize how important the discipline of being in the word is. It's, it's impossible to, to overemphasize how much the word of God will change your life. And it's not enough for us to just think about scripture. We need to thank scripture. It seems like a nuance, but I want you to understand it's not enough for us to be like, oh, I, I love the Bible or I love the, the story of this or I love the story of that. No, we need to think Scripture, the book of Psalms actually says this, says, I have hidden your word in my heart that I might not sin against you. I don't know about you, but I want to please the heavenly father. I want to live with his word in my spirit. And so I want to read the word. I don't want to just think about the word. I want to thank the word so that when I come up against opposition, when I come up against fight, I have something inside of me in order to fight back. I have a feeling some of y'all want to be like, preach pastor, go for it, do something. Yeah, yeah, that's what I thought. Scripture, come on, we're going to finish this thing. We're going to land this plane, spirit. Secrets of sustainability. Can I just tell you, look at what Acts 1.8 says this. It says, but you will receive power. You will receive power. You will receive power. I'm not, I'm not stuck. I'm not stuck. <laughs> You're like, oh God, I saw him have a breakdown right there. Pastor Ken is just power, power, power. You receive power when the Holy Spirit has come upon you. And you will be my witnesses in Jerusalem and all Judea and Samaria and to the end of the earth. Let me take you back to that. You will receive power. Like operating in life without the power of the Holy Spirit is like putting cheap gasoline in your car. Well, actually, there ain't no such thing as cheap gasoline right now. Let's just be honest. Let's just be honest. Um, bad illustration. Putting, putting cheap gasoline in your car. You, you may make it to the destination, but it's going to be obvious to you and everybody around you that it is sputtering as it goes. 
And I don't know about y'all, but if I've got access to the Holy Spirit, the same power that rose Jesus from the grave, if I have access to that kind of power, come on, give me that kind of power because I want to operate my life in his power. I want to operate my life in his power. I want to say, God, whatever it is in my dead relationships, in my dead uh, leadership, in my dead areas of my life, and in my dead friendships, God, would 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 your power touch those things so that I can operate under your power, not mine? Come on, we have, the, we have the opportunity to step into the power. And some of us, we, we will operate, we will live our life without, like it is possible to get to heaven and not access all of the power that the Holy Spirit has given us. But why would you want to? Because the Holy Spirit, the Holy Spirit, Holy Spirit searches, the Holy Spirit goes into the nooks and the cranny of our life. The Holy Spirit gives us words when we don't feel like we have words to say. The Holy Spirit gives us power to stand when we don't feel like we can stand. The Holy Spirit grieves with us. The Holy Spirit is is, is known as the comforter. The Holy Spirit is known as the the guide. The Holy Spirit is the one who literally envelops us. He says that that God is near to the brokenhearted, that when we are brokenhearted, the Holy Spirit is with. He gives us the power that we need. And every single one of us, we need to operate in that. We want to live a life that is sustainable. I believe that's why some people spiritually, they they zombie through life or they're like a dead man walking through life is because they've never accessed the power of the Holy Spirit. And can I, the, the, greatest, the greatest piece of advice that I could give you today is maybe you don't feel like you're whole. Maybe you don't feel like you're fully alive. It's say, Holy Spirit, would you search me and would you know me? And Holy Spirit, would you give me the power that I need to live every single day of my life? Holy Spirit, would you give me the power to break the addiction on my life? Holy Spirit, would you give me the power to think differently? Holy Spirit, would you cease the anxiety and the depression in my life? Holy Spirit, would you, I believe he will give you that power. He will begin to work in your life like you have never seen before. If you have a testimony of that, would you say amen? Yes, go ahead, something, yeah. You receive the power. I knew this staff teaching would work. 11 a.m. yesterday morning. I knew it would work. And the last one I want to share with you is this. Not that one. Is that sanctification. Forgot I went back a slide. Sanctification. It's a big word. Write it down. Sanctification. Sanctification. What, what is sanctification, Pastor Ken? Sanctification is this. is literally the process of becoming more like Jesus. This is as simple as I can make it. The, the process of becoming more like Jesus. Why is this important? It's important because in 1 Thessalonians chapter 4, verse 3, Paul says this. He says, this is the will of God, your sanctification. I used to freak out about the will of God. Freak out. Like, God, do you, am I supposed to do this? Am I supposed to do that? Ah. Cause so much anxiety for myself. Like, God, do you? If I, if I go right, you usually go left, you're going to hate me. Like, I joke about this because if I, if I wasn't laughing, I would be, I would like, it would be emotional for me because I, I used to think God was like this, like, sick, sadistic guy up in heaven. Like, I, I told you right. Anybody grow up in that church? Yeah. I, I don't, I, when I read scripture, I don't, I don't get that heart from God. The sanctification, he says, this is the will of God, Paul says. Your Sanctification, and I want to say this, and I, I don't mean it to sound rude. That's not the intent behind what I'm going to say. And so let me say this first. My sanctification is my job. I, I, let, me, let me clarify. I don't sanctify myself. Jesus sanctifies me. 
But my sanctification is my job. It is not Pastor Chris Hodge's job to sanctify me. It is not Pastor Ken Figg's job to sanctify me. It is not Pastor Kevin Meyer's job to sanctify me. It is Kenneth Wagner's job to seek sanctification through Jesus. But now that I've said that and qualified, let me say this, that your sanctification is not my job. It would be the equivalent, my 35-year-old self going to visit my mom and putting myself in a high chair. It's amazing that we come together and we get to open up the Word of God. It's amazing that we get to come together and, and worship and, and to, to, to cry out to God and to, to get into His presence, and which I believe that like crazy things, amazing things begin to happen when we get in His presence. But it's your job to get into that quiet space where you can say, God, transform me. God, I want, this is so countercultural, y'all. Because what American Christianity has chalked Christianity up to is this. Hey, I'm going to show up on Sunday. Pastor better give a good message. If he don't give a good message, I'm going to move on to another church where he's going to give me a good message. He's going to feed me. And can I look at you and say with as much joy and smile on my face is you got to start feeding yourself. Well, Pastor, listen, it's, yeah, go ahead. I think we should celebrate that. We should, we should. I'm going to remind you of that. Pastor, you're not deep enough. Y'all, I could confuse the heck out of you every single week. Look, this is what the original Greek says. I could take you back. I could parse sentences for you. I took four semesters, two full years of Greek. I could, I could confuse you with theological statements that you'd be like, oh my God, he is so smart. But on Monday, you'd be like, what? <laughs> and so when I'm able to partner with you, Come on, just like United Kids, not our job to raise your kids in Jesus. We want to partner with you. United Students, we want to partner with you. We're going to lock arms and we're going to, we're going to storm the gates of hell with you and your family and your kids. But don't abdicate the responsibility of your discipleship and sanctification. It is your job. And here's why I am harping on this so much. It's because this is why, this is like the, the, the heart behind Lamp and Light. This is the heart behind groups. This is the heart behind First Wednesdays is we can create all of these spaces, all of these places, and we can, we can prepare all of these meals and slide them across the table, but it is your job to put it to, put the fork and put the knife to the plate and to be able to bring up the spiritual food of your life in order to grow in Jesus. Today, I just wanna lean in, I wanna lean into you today because y'all have been way more fun to preach to than first experience was. Just gonna be honest, don't tell them. Y'all are way, y'all are way more fun. And I feel like you're receiving this. And the reason that some of this is so hard is because every single one, there was 10 of them, if you were counting, all 10 are countercultural to the, the pace that we live our lives at and the culture says, this is what we should do. No more, extra, don't stop, go faster. Break, why break? I can work seven, I know, why would I work six when I can work seven? Why would I give 10 when I can live on 100? Why would I do any of this stuff? Why would I serve when I can have my time? It doesn't make, all of this is completely, but the kingdom of God is upside down. He he says, "How, how do you get to the highest place? You become the greatest servant. How do I get to the front of the line? I go to the back. 
How do I get up? I go down. This is crazy. I can't explain it. But when you wrestle through these things, it will change your life. So I wanna give you some questions. I wanna give you some questions and they're gonna be on social media later, but if you wanna take a picture of these, you can. I'll smile, I'm just kidding. But I want you to think about these. How many hours of sleep am I getting per night? Real question, real question, because it matters. How is my physical health? Come on, your kids need you, your grandkids need you. What does my margin look like in my life? What needs to move in order to have more margin? What is the story I am telling myself about the season that I am in? At a soul level, am I feeling refreshed? Am I serving? And partner, let me just say real quick, people who serve here, if you're not feeling refreshed, I believe it goes back to a soul level of, of your heart in your serving. Because let me ask you this partner, please never serve for Pastor Kenneth. Please never serve or Sabrina, please never serve for Pastor David. Please never serve for any, any of the team here. Please serve for Jesus. And I promise you this, if your heart is for Jesus and your soul is to bring refreshing to others, He will refresh you. Last few questions. Do I practice Sabbath? Why or am I not? Do I believe God's promise? Yes or no? On a one to 10, no sevens, because sevens are cop-outs. You know it's true. How's your day? One to 10, it's a seven. A four, come on somebody. On a one to 10, no sevens, how am I doing with solitude? What is my view on the word of God? What does my hunger look like for the word of God? Have I been operating in my power or God's power? What am I doing in my life that shows that I am taking my sanctification seriously? Next week, we start a brand new teaching series called Revival. Mm, 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 mm. Just got a crock pot and stir. We're we going to stir it. Next week, we're going to start a, start a few weeks where we're just going to stir it up and just believe. God, God's always wanted to do revival. God's always, His heart is revival. Like it's just like finding the people who God's going to flow through to actually bring the revival, come on, on earth as it is in heaven. So let me pray for you. Your MC will take over. Jesus, thank you. Thank you for your word. Thank you for challenging us. Thank you for getting all up in our business. And God, I pray that as we wrestle through these questions, first of all, I pray God that we would wrestle through these questions. That we wouldn't just toss this away and say, oh no, no I'm gonna do my thing. No, no, we would wrestle through these, God. And we would see, God, would you search me? Would you know me? God, whatever it is that you want me to change, God, I, I wanna change for your sake and for your kingdoms glory. Father, we ask that you would be with us this week as we implement these things. God, thank you for how life-giving you are, how life-giving your word is. And we want to give you all praise in advance for how you are moving in our life, in our church, in our families. In Christ's powerful name we pray. Amen. Amen.